Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here with George Mays, and it's Text Driven Tuesday time, and we're back. You were a little rusty there. A little bit. I heard it's been it. a while. You didn't, you didn't think that we would notice, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember how to do this. We've had a yeah, we've had a little break for a while, which was pretty nice. Yeah. Um, and so we're we're back. What it, I don't know what we call the season three. Just a podcast <laughs> podcast season three. We don't even number our podcast that we just put them out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We started in we started in twenty twenty. Season three. I guess year three, sure. yeah. So we're back. We got some stuff. Uh, we're kind of working on planning for free for all Fridays. Um, but our, uh, you know, our one thing you can count on is text driven Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So we go over. If you're new to the podcast on on Tuesday, if you tune in, what you're going to get is we just have a conversation about the sermon uh, that was preached that Sunday. So if it's George, he's preaching through Hebrews right now. I'll be starting the book of Jonah in September. And hope is just to help people to understand the Bible better. Maybe even they can pick up tools on studying the Bible, how to prepare sermons, uh, and then just make better application if we can make a little more, Mm. maybe more in-depth application. Uh, Just talk about things maybe that couldn't make the sermon Sunday. Yeah. um, And just help people to have a better understanding of God's Word. Mm -hmm. So we're back. Did you have a good break? Uh yeah yeah it's pretty good all right good stuff yeah it was uh it was <laughs> it was interesting being back in the pulpit yesterday actually just doing sermon prep was a little difficult to get back into just kind of the flow of yeah. how to do this and and then when I got done yesterday I was beat yeah I was exhausted. Yeah, well, that's because you actually preach. Um, I can understand why some guys wouldn't be tired. <laughs> so, not so su- subtle shade. If yeah. you get done, <laughs> if you get done preaching, and you don't have like a little bit of sweat on you, I'm not talking like I need a handkerchief and I'm about wiping my forehead every time. You know, <laughs> I'm just talking like your undershirt. Your undershirt's a little bit damp. Uh huh then uh, maybe you didn't really preach. Maybe you just lectured. Is that your is that your standard? Which <laughs> lectures, yeah, lectures don't belong in the pulpit. Yeah. Lectures are for another time. Classroom setting, perhaps, uh, but not a Sunday morning. So um, it's good that you retired. That means uh, you were preaching. Yeah. But yeah, your diaphragm is a little out of shape, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to start training in the off-season. And we... Train, train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Preaching, and then we had uh, we had community group, and by the time I got home, my throat was pretty raw. Well, you need to maybe take a cue from Spurgeon and smoke a cigar before you preach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that'd help. That'd clear it <laughs> that's, right that's up. His, that's his good uh, guidance. I yeah. think that's in his uh, his uh, what's the book uh, lectures, lectures to, to my, my students. students. It's all good stuff, and they're like, hmm. Yeah. And I'm not sure if this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is good advice. This might actually make. Well, it I'm fun. wearing. I'm wearing the. I'm wearing the shirt that you gave me. Uh, it's the quote about yeah. uh, having a beard. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And this is this is a quote from lectures to my students, yeah. and it's in the context of 
him uh, counseling future preachers not to go out in the cold and uh, wrap a scarf around their, their neck. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because they need to be, he, he felt like being exposed to the cold did <laughs> They're good for, 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 yeah, your, yeah. for your voice, uh-huh. and uh, he said, "If if you really need something to cover your your throat, then grow a beard." Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's the whole context of of that. It that could have, it could have been that the cold London air was good for his throat because he preached every day and it was probably swollen. <laughs> so Maybe. it was like you know it was like thermo cryotherapy. Yeah. For Spurgeon to go out and right. get that air hit his throat, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that's great, uh, great advice for modern day. I, yeah, I don't know. But we're back in Hebrews chapter twelve. If you guys want to find it there, but I, I saw that you were cranking up a video before. I do have a video for you. Yeah, and I'm it's a good, you, it's a good. I'm glad you didn't let me down. It's a good Monday morning video for preachers. All right. Um, and this was sent. This was sent to me uh, last night. I think it was last night uh, from one of our members, and uh, she. Hopefully, she's not embarrassed by me saying this. <laughs> she sent me this, and she said, "As wife of the deacon of dumb videos, I felt I should also <laughs> contribute." <laughs> <laughs> and I told her that that is now an official title. At at CFC, yeah. the Deacon of Dumb Videos. Uh, so this is a video of uh, pastors trying out uh, their opening lines. Oh, my. For their sermons. Okay. And we've talked about this. We've talked about, you know, attention grabbers. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't just, you don't just, like, go right into the text. You have some sort of introduction to right. to grab people. That We've been in the text all week. The people in the congregation maybe just barely got to church you know on sunday morning and their their mind is not immediately in the text so we yeah. we grab their attention so this is a video to ma- right. maybe this will give you some ideas okay sure. all right maybe yeah, yeah. Some ideas. all right you got it you got the volume turned up all right what's going on sinners What's up, my Christians with the missions? Wait a second, if you guys are here, who's at Applebee's for the two for 20? Sit down and shut up! Sup, nerds? Why is Jesus banned from all jewelry stores? Because he breaks every chain. <laughs> Let's dive in oh to 2 Corinthians. <laughs> hey, good morning, church. It's good to see most of you today. Today, I am here to heal lepers and whip hypocrites. And guess what? <laughs> I'm all out of lepers. Oh Y'all ready goodness. to die or what? Behold. <laughs> So Trump and Biden walk into a bar. Today we're talking about tithing. Because y'all ain't getting it. Some of y'all been <laughs> grieving the Holy Spirit lately. Someone in this room is a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, can you bring out the snakes? Hey, good morning, church. Real quick, whoever wrote that letter to me last week, one thing. The feeling is mutual. Let's get started. <laughs> hey, good morning, church. Turn to your neighbor and say circumcision. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, bro. Someone in this room is a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. There is a, there's an endless supply of uh, people just kind of making fun of the contemporary Christian culture. Mm-hmm. There was a good video the other day. I should, uh, I'm going to see if I can find it and bring it back for Free for All Friday. 
It was just too good, man. Oh, I remember what it was. It was a guy, he's pretending he's on a missions trip, but it's one of those vacation missions. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so yeah. he's like, sends a video back to the church mm-hmm. and he's asking for more money so yeah. he can stay two weeks longer. It was pretty funny. It was pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, well, shall we dive in? Let's do it. To the text? Well, let's begin. Um, by because it's been a while, yeah. Give a um, a brief intro, <laughs> right? To well, to, first, first to, say, to the to the book as a whole, or just this well, passage. <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, just kind of kind of set up the context for us because what we're in the text, right? It, it seems he's here. He's talking about okay. Now we need to be running with endurance the race. Mm-hmm. So obviously something came before that to set that up. <laughs> right. So this is all about running. Mm-hmm. And you had a pretty good opener about a uh, survey of people running, mm-hmm. uh, why people run, the number of people that don't actually like to run, but they do run. <laughs> yeah. That was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And that I think that was a good, that's a good example of like, okay, maybe if you're listening and you're learning to preach, like you don't want to just have this ridiculous opener like that. <laughs> right <laughs> but you do need something but it's got to be connected mm-hmm. to what you're talking about and that well yeah you know there Joel Osteen is a, a prime offender he comes out um if, if you've ever watched him and he always starts his I'm reluctant to even call it a sermon what's well, motiv- his talk or whatever it's yeah like his a motivational, motivational talk yeah. he always starts with a joke yeah it's okay to be funny in your in your sermon as long as it's appropriate humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but telling jokes is right. Te- not, telling not jokes is no go. Like yeah. sometimes I think humor can happen naturally uh-huh. in a sermon. It right. just kind of comes up naturally. Mm-hmm. You don't have to create it. Right. But yeah, your 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 uh, opener or what what I call you might call it some different garnering attention. Mm-hmm was uh, appropriate because it was tied directly to this idea of running a race with perseverance and endurance mm-hmm. to get to the finish line. Right. Um, so I thought that was great. How does that set us up, though, where we're at in Hebrews? Because mm-hmm. it's been a while. Right. How do we get to this part mm-hmm. where he's going to make this uh, appeal? Um, the, the, these Christians to whom the, the apostle who's writing this book, whether it is Paul or someone else, Right. Um, these Christians, they are being they're being persecuted because they're Christians, and so they're they're primarily Jewish, and so the the temptation that they're facing is leave the church, leave Jesus, go back to the the temple and the priest and the animal sacrifices because if they do that, um, their their family will uh, not ostracize them; they'll be welcomed back into the synagogue. That even the Roman persecution would probably lessen or cease because Judaism is a legal religion, whereas Christianity slowly became more and more separate from Judaism and was illegal. Right, right. and so the, they're they're tempted to leave. They're tempted to fall away from the faith, and so the the whole point of the Book of Hebrews is the the apostle showing that Jesus is the fulfillment of all these Old Testament, Old Covenant types. Mm-hmm. So the, the the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, is a shadow of Christ's great high priesthood. Right. Um, Jesus enters into 
the the reality of the holy place in the very presence of God, not an earthly tabernacle that that's just a, a copy. Right. Um, he he offers a greater sacrifice than the animal sacrifices because his actually atones for sin. It actually does what the sacrifices promise to do. Um, and he institutes a better covenant. It's not a covenant that is written on uh, stone tablets. It's law that's written on human hearts. And so he actually brings the new birth. He actually brings conversion. And so Christ is the fulfillment of all these these Old Testament shadows. He is the he's the point. He was the goal of all of the Old Testament. Um, and so over and over and over again, the the author he is exhorting them not to fall away, to keep going, to keep holding on, uh, keep uh, looking to Christ. And so at the end of of chapter ten. He reminds them that they need to they need endurance. Mm-hmm. You need endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you won't fall away. You'll you'll reach the goal. Uh, and then chapter eleven, he gives us these examples from the Old Testament: uh, Abel, Enoch, Noah, uh, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, uh, and then and then he just kind of lumps all of these these other saints together to show, look, there is this long line of, of faithful people of God who are living by faith. And now getting into chapter 12, which is really a continuation of what he's been saying, the, the, the chapter division mm-hmm. isn't a great one. It, it kind of separates the argument, but the argument goes together mm. because it begins with therefore. Therefore, because of what he said at the end of chapter 11, he continues his argument. So there, he he is again. He is exhorting them to run the race with endurance. Keep the goal in mind. Uh, don't fall away. Cross the finish line. Yeah, it's good. And uh, so don't don't leave the church. Don't leave Christ. Don't go back to the. Don't go back to the shadows. Right. Because the reality has come. The the better has come. And so the the. The uh, the the summary of the book of Hebrews is is that Jesus is better. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's have you read um, the text for us. I'm gonna throw it up onto the screen. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully, it's been a while since we did all this. Let's <clears throat> see if it'll work. Even the ESV. Uh, there it is. You can see it. You, you can see with the ESV. Even the ESV. Their section headings. Uh, right. Break it up in. An unhelpful way. Yeah, I don't. Uh, verse three should definitely be above. Well, it <laughs> it should be connected to one and two. So I, I was I was struggling with this. I was struggling. How many should I do? Should I do verses one and two? Should I do one through three? Should I do one through four? Um, one. I think only one commentary that I looked at put one through four together. I think every other one did one through three. Okay. Um, I don't know why the ESV breaks it at uh, between two and three because other translations with their their headings. Yeah. Um. I mean, the section headings, I could take it or leave it. Really, sometimes they're helpful. Sometimes they're not. Right. Um. But uh, here, I I think that three should go with two, even though one through eleven really is is one. <laughs> one section mm-hmm. it, it all goes together um but again with hebrews the the breaks 
the transitions are so smooth. Everything just, it, it just logically follows from what has come before. And so the breaks are, they can be helpful as you're just kind of doing your own study. But as we're looking at the book as a whole and looking at sections, just, just kind of ignore those. Right. All right. Well, let's have you read. Okay. Uh, so this is verses 1 through 3 of Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. All right, very good. So I think you captured in this sermon the main theme, which is um, how to keep running mm-hmm. with endurance. That, that's and you the, have three points. That, that's the primary mm-hmm. exhortation. I mean, it's filled with exhortations, but that that really all the others just kind of they're they're all um, uh, participles. So yeah. there's they're they're not they're jussives. I think they're jussives. Okay. Let us uh-huh. um, and and there's several of them, but let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the primary okay yeah. exhortation. Everything else orbits around <clears throat> that one. Yeah, and to uh, help us to see that better, you it pulled out of the text. There are three kind of main uh, main points. Um, and you call them three ways to run the race with endurance. Mm-hmm. So, very practical. Three ways to run the race with endurance. And the first one you have is to take encouragement from the saints of old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found this to be interesting because uh, most people have probably, if they've been around the church for a while, have seen this verse or even probably heard of sermon on this verse. And many times it's presented in this way. I like the way that that you presented it. I think it... Uh, makes better sense, considering, like, you know, we kind of let Scripture interpret Scripture, mm-hmm. and we take the entirety of the Bible, right. like, like you know, you have a—you look here at this text, and you find an idea, but that idea really kind of has to fit the systematic theology of the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, then your interpretation could be off, but the way you interpreted it, I think, makes better sense of not just the passage, but the whole Bible. The way I've heard it before is that there's this great cloud of people around watching us. Uh-huh. Like, so you could almost think, you know, when you're a little kid, like, you know, if your grandpa had died, was grandpa watching me? You <laughs> right. know, did he, did he see me disobey my parents? <laughs> you'll, you'll, hear, you'll, hear the, you'll hear this at funerals right? Um, all the time. Even professing Christians will, um, will say things like, well, he's, you know, he's gone, but I know he's still with me and he's still watching. He's still watching over me. Right. And... It's like the departed saints become guardian angels, right? <clears throat> and they they take on um, divine attributes. Like now they're right. now they're omniscient right. <laughs> and they're omnipresent, right? Um, it's I, I we were talking about it in community group, and and I I made the comment. It's that idea is almost closer to ancestor worship. Right <laughs> than it is to uh, to biblical Christianity. Yes, right? yeah. Um, we were talking about how I don't know how many Disney cartoons you've seen growing up, Jay. 
but I was thinking of uh, Mulan. You ever seen Mulan? Long time ago. Okay. Uh, when the uh, they've got like the shrine with all their like all their ancestor uh, like stones and statues and and all the spirits like pop up and they're right. like, t- they're like talking about Mulan and mm-hmm. and they're having these conversations. Well, she's from your side of the family, so of course she's getting into trouble and all this stuff. And right. I think that's a lot of what people in general think about uh people have have died even yeah. christians they, they think yeah they're they're just <clears throat> sitting around heaven watching us well it's very interesting to think through this on a couple of levels we've become very materialistic mm-hmm. in our understanding of the spiritual world in general as far as angels mm-hmm. and demons demonic forces evil spirits um Almost as if like we don't believe that that's around us, but we know from the Bible that that's all around us. Mm-hmm. There's another world. There's like, if you ever watched The Fringe, like it's here, mm. but you have no access to it. But it's literally here. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of give that entire biblical, which is it's a biblical worldview up, but then we latch onto this, like you said, this kind of ancestral. Mm-hmm. And not just our ancestors, but Christians in general, this great cloud of witnesses around us, uh, watching us, uh, observing us, and you know this type of ancestor stuff has been around for a long, long time. Oh yeah, uh, even like in every know, in, in all different cultures. Oh yeah, I mean you got you know the even the tribes locally where we live, they'll grow their hair long and never cut it mm. because they believe they can channel the power of their ancestors, mm-hmm. and they grow their hair for them. Yeah. Um, and so they're always like presently with them, helping them, things like that. Um, and that's in a lot of other pagan cultures. But it seems clear that uh, kind of the the biblical view of the supernatural after we die is that if you're a Christian, you are in the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You're not in multiple places at <laughs> right. once. Uh-huh. Um, you don't have like this omniscient ear where you could hear people mm-hmm. asking you for help. <laughs> right. Um, that's that's in the Catholic world. Mm-hmm. It's very, very strange. Yeah. Um, praying to, to people, asking people to protect you, mm. um, looking down over you, making sure things... You don't find evidence for this in the Bible. No, it... I mean, you, you preached on it a couple of weeks ago from Philippians chapter 1. Um, you know, it's... There, there seems to be two states, right? right. You're, you're, Paul says he, he, he's torn between these two things. He, he wants right. to, right. he, he doesn't know whether it's better to, to be here with the saints and to help them, uh-huh. or to die and be with the Lord. He doesn't say, well, it'd be better if I go to be with the Lord because then I can help you in a better way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like that's not. He wants to. It, the, the picture that we have, really throughout the Bible, is that the saints that die. They're more. They're more focused on what's going on in heaven. Their their focus is on the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're they're with Jesus and they're caught up. They're they're enraptured by the the you know, the old term is the beatific vision. Right. They see God. Um, our lives aren't that interesting. Like they <laughs> they don't right. need to. They don't need to be watching us to see what we're doing. And we really don't need other intercessors to help us out. Right. Right. It, it's a uh, and one thing I, you know I've been 
as I, I listen to other Christian podcasters, maybe even talk about things like the supernatural world, things like that, seems to be one thing that the, all of them forget to mention is that we're indwelled by God. Mm. Okay, like, so we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, completely radical of all religions ever on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. If we have the Holy Spirit, who is God, and He is, He's not like the the third wheel. He's actually God as much as Jesus is God. If we have the Son interceding on our behalf, and we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and we don't really need to worry about like our ancestors and mm. if they're helping us or if they're watching over us, right. um, that's that idea comes from a a bad theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in general. Yeah. Um, so the the if we're if we're not careful with this verse we kind of get this idea of we're running a race and these spectators are watching us. They're this cloud of witnesses, is like yeah. the, the people in the stands watching us to see right. what we're going to do. But that's not what the, that's not what that word witness has been. Uh, the, that's not the meaning that it's been carrying through chapter 11. Mm. The witness has been the witness of their lives. And I think that's the same. I think that's the same um, idea that's being carried over into to verse one here in chapter twelve. Right. Is that uh, it, it's it's really clear in uh, in verse four of um, of chapter eleven where it said, "By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended." Which that's the passive form of witness. So God is is witnessing about. Able mm-hmm. that he's righteous, um, he's committed. He's commended as righteous. God commending him. Same word. He's he's witnessing to him about him uh, by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. How does he still speak? Like, there is, is life. He, like is he whispering to to saints? Like is he talking to to saints? No, it's it's through his life, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's bearing witness to the life of faith and the riches of, of Christ as we go back to Genesis chapter four and read about his life mm-hmm. or we read about him here in, in Hebrews chapter 11. So the, the witness of Abel is ongoing, but it occurred when Abel was still alive. Right. Same with Enoch. Um, he, he testifies by his life of walking with God uh, by faith. That this is how this is how we please God. Mm-hmm. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Enoch pleased God, and he was taken. Right. Um, same with Noah and, and Abraham and and Moses. That they, they they testify to the life of faith by their historic lives. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a they're witnessing in a passive way by watching us. Right. It's that they witnessed actively to Christ and the life of faith by their the way that they lived. And so right. we, we go back and we study their lives and we think about their lives and um and we, we're supposed to emulate them. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that's the idea that's right that's found in, in verse one. Yeah. And there, and it can it's very it's very motivational, inspirational, motivational. Mm-hmm. When you read about the people who have gone 
not just in the Bible, but Christians in history. Um, I think in that last one, I, <clears throat> I read the account of the Iranian <clears throat> man who was converted. I think this happened in the 80s. Um, and it's a crime, punishable by death, to mm. convert to Christianity. And he has to wait 10 years in jail um, for his trial, for just to get, receive the sentence to die. Right. And he re he prepares a statement, and the statement that he reads is very much like what Paul says. Like, if he lives, it's good because it means service to the Lord. If he dies, it's gain. Right. And so he doesn't fear death, mm -hmm. just in any way he can serve the Lord. And it was it's amazing that he's willing to suffer imprisonment and then testify at his death trial of the greatness of Christ. That is a very motivational thing to. Mm -hmm. To us, because we can see, like, right. I'm just, you know, the worst. What's the worst thing that can happen to me in America is that people might not like me, right? <laughs> right. So if you're feeling persecuted, which we can experience persecution, mm. various forms of it can come, whether it's from your boss or anything like that mm. um, in America. But we have all these people that have gone before us and really have experienced far worse than we have. Yeah. And they testify that Christ is worth it. Yeah. So the the I mean the the, cha the you know chapter eleven he's walking through the Old Testament, but he doesn't just stop there because it, verses thirty two through thirty eight he's he's taught he's alluding to Old Testament figures, but he's also alluding to um, intertestamental people. Mm -hmm. So from non inspired books, the, the historical historical books that that aren't inspired. Um, the Maccabees. Mm -hmm. right? um, so he's not just—he's not even thinking about just, uh, you know, inspired writing. He's just thinking of faithful saints throughout history, and we, two thousand years after this is written, have an even—I mean, if he talks about so great a cloud of witnesses here, we've got an even greater <laughs> cloud of witnesses because we've got the New Testament um, apostles, the early Christians. I mean, uh, think about uh, all the apostles except for John were executed. Um, even guys that we don't really know about, but they're they're they bear witness. Like Antipas, remember Antipas from Revelation? Mm. Antipas, my faithful witness, right? Um, he 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 bears witness. Um, we can think about uh, Timothy. Timothy was, uh, I think he was uh, Eusebius, the, the early church his, historian. I think he, he said that Timothy was thrown down a flight of stairs and then beaten to death. Mm. Uh, James, the, the brother of Jesus, um, he was thrown down from the, the top of the temple. Um, we've, got church, we've got the early church fathers, uh, guys like Polycarp. I mean, Polycarp, we need to read about Polycarp because he's a hero of the faith. Um, this 80 year old man who's being brought to trial because he's a Christian and the, uh, the judge keeps telling him, like, have some respect for your age. Just, right. just say away with the atheist and you'll be set free. And Polycarp looks around at all these, these Romans and he says, away with the atheist. <laughs> uh, he, he says, I've, I've served Christ for 84 years, and he's never done me wrong. How can I now you know, deny my master who saved me? Um, and this, he's just one of them. We can go down through church history. We can look at, at Reformation figures. We can look at um, early missionaries. 
we can look at uh, you know this is this is why it's so important to read good biographies of of Christians. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, in community group uh, to the Golden Shore, which is a biography of Adoniram Judson, and he was a missionary to Burma, first missionary to Burma. Took seven years for him to see his first convert. Um, he was uh, thrown into prison. Um, lost his first two wives. He lost some children. Uh, at one point, he gets so depressed that he he goes into the jungle and he he digs his own grave and he sits there and just stares into his grave. And then he comes out of the jungle and he continues his his work uh, because he he's he is bearing witness to the life of faith. Um, we can think of of different women in church history. Uh, Susanna Wesley, who is a great testimony of, of uh, being a Christian mother and, and praying for her children. Uh, Monica, uh, Augustine's mother, who continued to pray for him even though he lived this lecherous life. And she saw him come to faith. Um, Susanna Spurgeon. And, I mean, there's just, there's just all kinds of, of, I mean, we can think of people in our own lives that, that have uh, borne witness to the life of faith. That even though they're dead, and they've been gone for years, they still, they still speak, as we remember their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Yep. So that's the first one: take yeah. encouragement from the saints of old. And then the second way to run the race of endurance is that we to throw off anything that would weigh us down. Yeah. So there are kind of two. Seems to be like maybe two things listed here, sin, which clings so closely, and weight, mm-hmm. some weights to throw off. Yeah. Uh, is there a distinction between every weight and sin, or are they the I th- same? I or? think so. I think I think that there's a distinction, and I didn't see anyone that said they're the same. What uh, I think what sets them apart from each other is that in the Greek, it says, let us lay aside every weight, literally bulk, and the sin. So there, there's actually an article before uh, sin. So I think that those are distinguished. I think the article sets them as different. Okay. Um, the the weight. Um, I think every commentary I read um, drew out application from weight as these are things that are not necessarily sinful because it's it's separate from sin. Mm-hmm. Um, they're legitimate things morally that Christians can engage in, but they may hinder our, our race. Right. Um, and so I, I just brought out a few in the, uh, in the sermon, social media, it's not, like it's not a sin to be yeah. on social media. I can't look at a, well, a scripture and be like, oh, you shouldn't be on Facebook. Well, the, uh, the imagery, we didn't talk about that. Some people may be still confused. Yeah. Like the imagery is of a runner. Yeah, yeah. Taking off all their mm-hmm. extra clothing, like so, maybe they all they have on now is a loincloth or something. I so mean, they the, can, I mean, in the uh, in these early Olympic games, um, they ran. Know, they'd be naked. Yeah, you know, they, they ran. They just throw off everything. Right. Um, even today, you know, runners may train with with weights. They may they may have you know some weights on their ankles or something. But when you're in the race. You don't run with the weights. You right. throw, the weight, throw the weights up. Yeah. You don't run in baggy clothes. Yeah, they've got on spandex. Yeah, um, like the the like the women don't just let their hair just you know fly all around and they'll put it up in a ponytail or something uh-huh. so it's out of their face. 
so that they can run without distraction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's they, they have running shoes. They don't, you know, they're not wearing Crocs. And the image is, is there are things in the world <laughs> right. that are going to hinder your run. Yes. You're running for Christ. You're striving toward the finish line. There are things that can weigh you down and keep you from getting there. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, now yeah. we're back. Yeah. So, so legitimate things like playing video games. Now that's a disputed subject we've talked about. <laughs> right, before. yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I can't look at anything in Scripture and be like, you, you absolutely can't play video games. But if it's taking up all your time, I mean, if it's more than just um, you know, a recreational thing that you play maybe an hour a day or something, th- then it can be a weight that's, that's pulling you down. Sports, um, even work. I mean, obviously work is legitimate, Right. But if you are so caught up in climbing the, the ladder that it's taking away from um, church or family, um, you, know, you don't have time for, I don't have time to, to have family devotionals with, with the kids because I'm at work all the time. Yeah. Uh, those are things that could weigh you down. And while, while I, think that's a, that's, I think that's true, I think there are legitimate things that can hinder us. I don't. I. I don't think that that's what he's talking about here. Okay. Um, and it was John MacArthur that pointed me in a different direction. But I've been hearing lately, George, all over the internet, that uh. he is not a, a good Bible teacher. <laughs> yeah. And the reason is, is because you can't trust someone who has a negative eschatology. Mm. I'm I'm making fun. I'm making fun of these people. Right <clears throat> I now. mean, I'm I'm pretty vocal about my disagreements with John MacArthur's eschatology, but I, I still know. think that he's. I yeah, still yeah. think that he. Uh, you can get one thing wrong and yeah, get get well, other things right. I, I'm about to bring it in on a free for all Friday. It's a it's from a guy who's got a pretty good following on social media. Yeah, um, he just talked about how. Uh, uh, this type of negative eschatology will hurt your ministry, and this mm. is why we don't see like so much fruit in the Christian world. And I'm like, oh, bro, yeah. <laughs> uh, their church has planted churches all over the world. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think you're you're crazy. Maybe <laughs> maybe you're crazy because I don't think you've planted maybe a, a little sing- jaded. Like maybe I don't think you've planted a single church. Yeah, a little, and, a little uh, jaded. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I mean, we 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 disagree with John MacArthur on on more than just his eschatology. I mean, there's things that we disagree with John MacArthur on, but um, when he's right, he's right, <laughs> and I think he's right with his. I listened to his sermon on on uh, and this, he's, this passage, and I, I think he got it right. And he's right. I'm gonna say ninety high nineties. Yeah, like he's been doing. He's been preaching for a long, long time, mm-hmm. um, and he's usually right. Yeah, yeah. He's usually proved proved right with <laughs> in social issues. You know? Yes, yes, he has. <clears throat> yeah, he's usually more discerning than some of these other guys. Um, but listening to his sermon, I think he gets it right, and I think that he the the idea that the weight is legitimate things that uh, may weigh us down. It's it's not really it's not really found in the book. Like it's it's something that you kind of have to import mm-hmm. in. But he's he's drawing it back to the book as a whole, and he's he's reminding us of the context of the book. What are the weights that are are holding these Christians back? I I think it's I think he's right. I think MacArthur's right. It's the it's them still trying to cling to the the Old Testament 
shadows. Right. They're they're still holding to the rituals. So they're they're still they're still wanting they're wanting to be Christians, but they're also wanting to continue with the the ceremonial rituals of the temple. And by doing that, they're not they're not running the race with endurance. They're still they're still being they're it's like they're split between two worlds. Uh-huh. And if they continue in that way, they're they're going to collapse because there's no way that they can they they can't keep the they can't keep all the laws. Right. That's the whole that's the whole point. They can't do it. <clears throat> he also knows, I think, as a prophet, and and knowing Jesus's teachings, that all that stuff is about to be gone. Right. <laughs> and so if they're if they're still if they're still being weighed down by that when the temple's just de- destroyed, I, I I would say probably in maybe. 10 years at the latest when this book is written they're they're going to collapse they're going to collapse along with the temple um and so he's telling them again the same thing that he's been telling them throughout the entire book jesus is better so throw off these weights and run after jesus Mm. um and to to bridge that to our context where we're not we're not being tempted to go back to the you know the the temple um uh, at least most of us aren't. That's right. <laughs> um, we we can be weighed down by rituals and ceremonies and these these kind of works based practices where we think, well, in order for God to be pleased with me, I have to do A, B, and C. Right. If I if I don't read my Bible forty five minutes every day at this exact time, well, God's going to be angry with me. If I if I don't do these things, if I don't give this amount of money, God's not going to be happy with me. Um, throw off those weights. Christ and Christ alone is the means of your justification. Mm-hmm. It, it's His death on the cross alone that makes you right with God. Yeah, and there's nothing there's nothing else that you could ever do to make yourself more right in the presence of God than you are right now. Mm-hmm. Because Christ has died for our sins, and we are justified freely because of what Christ has done. Right. Um, and so you don't have to add to those. You don't have to add to that mm-hmm. um, to make yourself more justified. Right. So we need to throw off those things. That's not to. That's not to be like an antinomian. Like follow what. The, the New Testament tells you to do, but we live a life of holiness. We pursue holiness because of what Christ has done for us. Right. Um, and we want to follow in, in his footsteps. We, we want to live for him because it's a life of thanksgiving for yep. what he's done for us, not in order to gain something. Uh, we may see this, uh, and you know, our church members may encounter this. There, there are some movements around. We've interacted with them some on the podcast. I, I can't remember their name. Is it a Hebrew Roots? Maybe mm-hmm. the Hebrew Roots movement, where people, you know, they're 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 teaching that you know, faithful Christianity means keeping all of the festivals of the mm-hmm. old of the old covenant, right? And keeping a Saturday Sabbath, mm-hmm. things like that, right? Um, that. To me, seems to fit in with this. Yeah. Like if you are being drawn into that, you're being drawn into something that's appealing to you. It's appealing to your nature as some form of a higher form of spirituality mm-hmm. than Christ and and Christ alone. Right. When we aren't, 
called to do those things right. anymore. They're just shadows. So you're going back to shadows mm. to keep them because they give you a sense of uh, spiritual fulfillment some way. Um, well, it could be that those are actually just weights. Yeah, They're actually hindering you mm-hmm. from running this race better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So throw off those those things. Recognize the the full free forgiveness that you have because of God's grace to you in Christ. And that frees you to to live the Christian life with freedom and joy. Um and you can you can pursue Christ. Mm-hmm. Um not because you gotta follow all these rituals. Right. Because you love him. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, um, but it's not. It's not just that. It's the the sin also mm-hmm. the sin. So there's 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 a distinction. I think uh, the sin um, again. We're we're not antinomian. We can't just live however we want to and throw off all all restrictions um, because we're we're saved to live lives of holiness. And so he'll get further into that in chapter thirteen. He'll he'll start becoming really practical and like the everyday things. Um, but we have to be killing sin. If we're, we, he recognizes that even though we're justified freely because of Christ, we still live in this fallen world. We still are battling with sin. And if we, if we make allowances for sin, if we excuse it, um, if we ignore it, um, it will, it'll trip us up and we won't make it. Right. We won't be able to cross the finish line. Uh Uh-huh. Um, it, we'll we'll see that we're we're quickly approaching a the last warning passage, and it's it's the longest one, and it's it's pretty severe. Yeah, and he's going to bring out Esau as an example of mm. of this. Um, we we have to pursue holiness, right? We we yeah. can't uh, we can't ignore these these little sins in our lives as if well this this doesn't have any effect on the way that I live right. my Christian life. This this isn't going to affect my my walk with Christ, absolutely will. Right, yes. You know, I, I would think you could compare, if you're keeping with this running metaphor, to an athlete, an elite athlete's working to run and to finish. It'd be like them training to run and to finish and running, but at the same time eating uh, McDonald's every day. Right, right. Like, they're still going to be running, mm-hmm. but they're really going to be struggling. Yeah. Because they're poisoning themselves. Yeah. And that's the same thing sin does. Even small sin. Right. Small sins, they will hinder and hurt your relationship with the Lord, and they'll they'll hurt your ability to run this race. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, yeah. Okay, so now the third point. The first point, uh, so three ways to, to run this race with endurance. Take One, take encouragement from the saints of old. Number two, throw off every weight, everything that weighs us down. Uh, the third is the ultimate by looking to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's unpack that for us, because there are kind of two phrases that I think are go- kind of governing this. Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you explained both of those, <clears throat> and there, it, these are these words are also mentioned in Hebrews mm-hmm. in, in one other place, I believe. Yep. So explain to us what these words mean. How is Jesus the founder of our faith, and how is he the perfecter of our faith, mm-hmm. and how would then looking to him enable us to run? Yeah, um, I, I think it's important to uh, to remember that Jesus is not just another character in the story, 
and it, growing up in Sunday school, that that's kind of the way it was presented, is that you've got all these characters in the Old Testament, and then you come to the New Testament, and hey, there's some more characters, and Jesus is one of them. But you see, even even in the passage, you can see how he doesn't just lump Jesus in with the end of chapter 11, or even with verse 1. He is distinct, and that's important for us to realize that even though we're supposed to take encouragement and follow the example of the this great cloud of witnesses, we need more than just another example to follow. We need the hero to save us. And that's that's what uh, verses two and three lay out for us, is that you can, you can run this race following the example of the saints, but if you're not looking to Jesus, then you're not gonna cross the finish line. You're not gonna be able to run with endurance because you need him to actually start and finish your faith. Um, and that, that's what we see with these two words, the founder um, and the perfecter. And I keep wanting to say author because that's what the that's what the King James and the New American Standard and the Legacy Standard they all use the author and finisher of our faith, and uh, so I keep well, wanting to say that yeah, instead of the, founder. But that's what that that's that's uh, that's I the like connotation. That, yeah, I like author better. It, it, I really like the Christian Standard Bible that translates it as source. That that's that what I was is my get favorite. To. <laughs> that's my favorite. So, so founder, author, they they have the same idea like words mm-hmm. words have interchangeable nuances right yeah and that's why in, in these interpretations you may have one say founder you may have one say author one mm-hmm. say source but the the key idea is the originator right now this as i was thinking of this and i think it's worth stopping for a minute just to think about because of how it collides with and should deconstruct uh-oh our Western worldview, um, because there are good forms of deconstruction. You want to deconstruct <laughs> right. and construct according mm-hmm. to the Word of God. Right. Jesus is the source of our faith. Mm-hmm. That absolutely destroys every idea or notion that you began this race that you started. Right. That should create a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. It should create a paradigm shift. Yeah. And and it seems to 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 fit perfectly with other passages. I'm thinking right now off the top of my head like Ephesians chapter 2 which uh more than implies outright says that that faith is a gift. Mm-hmm. This is not of yourself. Right. Uh, there's also a verse in in uh, Philippians which says that also it has been granted to you, the same word is is uh gift. Braced, yeah, like braced. braced. Mm-hmm to not only suffer, but to believe. Right. So belief has been given to you from a source. It didn't mm. originate within you. And I think people... Well, you see, you see the, the Father in um, the Gospels, the, the Father as Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and his, his son is uh, possessed by a demon, and he cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. Right. He he recognizes that he he's not the source of his own faith. He needs He needs faith to be produced in him uh-huh. and he's looking at the one who is the source. Right. It it is a uh a mysterious thing because we exercise faith. Right. But the faith source, the originator of it, how it even began at all um is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. I at one point I used the uh, the the uh term he's the fountain. Uh-huh. of our faith. So we're we're not producing 
the faith, but we are, like you said, exercising the faith. Uh-huh. Jesus is not believing for us, but he does give us the faith so that we can believe. Mm-hmm. And this is great encouragement for Christians who are trying to run the race because there's times when you're when you you struggle. It's hard. Right. And if you're if you're uh your focus is well. I I've got to turn inward, and I've got to find that faith to believe. Um, I, I've just got to produce it. I got to manufacture it. Where does it come from? Maybe yeah. it's not there. <laughs> maybe maybe the well has gone dry. There are you know, and there and you can dry that well up yourself, mm-hmm. right? You can by sin. Yep. Um, and just for total transparency, I mean, there have been times in my life where my faith has been like. On the ver, if it's a candle, it's on the verge of going out. Mm. So my prayer has been that, like Jesus, you said you won't put me out. Like I'm about to go out, mm. and sometimes that's caused by our own sin. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of a lot of people, it's going to come down. The problem of evil is going to cause it. That's mm. why you know that's kind of one of my things because one of the deals I've struggled with my whole life. Um, you're going to encounter things in life that are really going to just shatter your faith mm-hmm. to where it's almost gone. You're like you're on the verge of apostatizing. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, what you need to understand, and I think one thing that has guarded me is that I is that I understand that this isn't dependent on my amount of faith at all. And right. I can look back through the course of my life now and see there have been times where my faith has been like, it seems untouchable. Like, I literally feel like I could do anything uh, for Jesus. But there are times where you're really down, yeah. and you don't even feel like a Christian. Oh yeah, you know. But it's at that those times that you need to go to the source, mm-hmm. and you need to be your prayer needs to be. I my faith is floundering, mm-hmm. like I need you to cause my faith to grow, and then you're what you're going to find is if it has to do with you and it's sin related, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal right, like hey you're you're the one here that has <laughs> yeah. caused this to happen. But it could be sometimes circumstances outside of your control too yeah. that cause this to happen. And well, when that happens, this is important to yeah. know. Oh yeah, yeah. And and this is the great hope for the Christian is that you're not saved by looking to your own faith. You're saved by Christ. Right. Like your 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 hope is not in something that you produce. It's in Jesus. Uh huh. Um, and he is the the author, the founder, the source. Um, NIV has pioneer. He's like the trailblazer. the The word is used uh, thirty five times in the Septuagint, and it's it's usually used of leaders or or like champions of cities, like military uh, leaders, the ones that go before. Right? Um, they're they're the ones that pave the way so that you can walk the life of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you 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 don't uh, you don't take the lead. You follow yeah. you follow you follow. I like that idea of the champion because you know if if we've got two s- civilizations and we're about to settle this via a single combat, send out your champion. Right. And well, Jesus comes out. Uh huh. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. Like New, it, New Living Translation, <laughs> yeah. which is not a translation that I I would um, you know say make this your main your main translation, but it, it translates it as champion. He's mm. the champion of our faith. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it, it, I don't know if this is a a, a, a huge deal, but um, in the Greek, R is not there. Mm. 
So he's not the he's not the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the founder and perfecter of faith. Mm-hmm. Like where does faith come from? It's from him. Yeah. Right? Um, so he's the he's the author, the founder, the source. Um, I was trying to see if there was a that word is used in Acts five thirty one as translated in the ESV as leader. He's the leader of, uh, of God's people. Um, but he's also the perfecter. Yeah. He's the finisher. Mm-hmm. Um, this word has this word's all over Hebrews. Right. Um, it it's he's the uh, he's the object. He's the goal of faith. So we we see that in Hebrews chapter eleven. The the saints of old are looking to Christ. Um, it's explicit in Moses. He considered the reproach of Christ to be greater than all the treasure of Egypt. So he's the object. He's the he's the end goal. But he also is the assurance of our faith. Mm-hmm. He's the one that started it. And he's also the one who's going to finish it. Um, the the Latin, the Vulgate, translates it as the the consummator. Mm. He's the one who consummates our faith, and that's good news, also, right? <laughs> because there are those days when we don't think we're going to make it, right? Um, we we know the promises, like Philippians chapter one, verse six, he who began a good work in you, the author of your faith, will bring it to completion. He's also the perfecter yeah. of our faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so we um we can we can take great encouragement from that. A- and it's important for us to go back and, and see these two these two words. They're, they're paired together in one other place in Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Um, it says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder, there's, the, mm-hmm. there's that word, yeah. of their salvation perfect through suffering. So there's the, there's the other word. So he's the founder of their salvation, but he's been made perfect through suffering. And we, we talked about this. Right. In, in previous passages, Christ lived by faith. Right. He's the he is the he's the witness par excellence. Right. It, right. it he, does like he lived by faith. I know some people listening may hear something that you're not meaning to say and something the text doesn't say, but we impose upon Jesus our own uh, sinful nature. We'll say <laughs> right. he was made perfect. Uh-huh. That means right. he was less than perfect before. Well, ontologically perfect in his being. He, right. He's perfect in his being. He's sinless, mm-hmm. but he hasn't completed the task right. until he goes through the cross. Yes. So the incarnation is important. Yes. And his life is important. He he is not he's not just born and die. He has to live a perfect life. Um so that he can live a life like us. He's our representative. Um, he lives a life of faith. We, we know that because Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he pleased God. Jesus pleased God always. So he lived by faith. Uh-huh. He's a man. Right. right. We've talked about this before. You know, Jesus doesn't just click on God mode whenever things get hard. He, he lives by faith. Right. That's hard for people to understand, and it and it is, and we've talked about it many other times because uh, we do we have this idea that he is just a, he's just God in a human mm-hmm. flesh suit, <laughs> right? But he's not, right. and in that way, he's not like us. He's mm-hmm. not a representative, but he is truly a man, which right. means he lived by faith, mm-hmm. empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yes, 
Um, and he and the, and the temptations were real. So when right. Satan offered him the entire world, mm-hmm. bypassing the cross, that's right. the goal, right? Because mm-hmm. the cross is is the sledgehammer on the serpent's head. And so the temptation is: look, you can have the kingdom right. without the cross. I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a real temptation. Um, but by faith, he perseveres and overcomes that temptation. Right. Where Adam failed, he he he, be- he believes yes. God and His Word. Yes. Whereas Adam didn't believe God and His Word, Jesus does believe God and His Word, and that's how he overcomes temptation by believing God's Word. That's why it's so important that Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament whenever the the serpent is tempting him. Yeah. He replies with God's word because he believes God's word. Um, we're going through um, we're going through the Book of Psalms on Wednesday nights, and um, we've gotten to the end of Book Two, which is um, the, this block of Psalms is sixty nine, seventy, seventy one, and seventy two. It's it really is showing how the king suffers, and then he enters into his glory. And I keep thinking about this verse in Hebrews chapter 5 because the Psalms are the prayers of Jesus. They're the prayers of the of the Messiah. Um, and so it says that um, in the days of his flesh, so in, in, in his incarnation, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. He didn't go into God mode. He trusts in his father. Right. Right. Um, and he was heard because of his reverence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just keep thinking of these Psalms where where the king is crying out to God, my enemies are surrounding me more than the number of my hairs are the, the ones who are uh, opposing me and persecuting me and wanting to put me to death. And he cries out to God to save him, and God saves him. Yeah. That's what Jesus is doing. <laughs> he's, he's praying. In the days of his flesh, he's, he's crying out to God, and he believes that God can rescue him. And God rescues him, mm-hmm. right? Um, and because he lives this perfect life as a man, he is qualified to be our representative. He's qualified to be our great high priest. That, that's what the, the idea of, of being made perfect mm-hmm. is, um, is that he's now qualified to be the, the great high priest for his people because he has lived a life of obedience to God and he's offered the the perfect sacrifice. And so he's the founder of their faith. There's, he's the founder of their salvation because he's been made perfect. And so we read in uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So he's he's been made perfect. He's now qualified. And so now he can make perfect his people. Um, so he's the author and he's the perfecter of their faith. Because he has lived a life of faith, and mm-hmm. he's he has himself been made perfect, mm-hmm. not 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 morally, not ontologically, right? But um, employment wise, I guess. <laughs> right. Well, he's <laughs> like the, his job. Like his job. His job. His job is to his job is to represent his people and to serve as the as yeah. the high priest. But he has to be qualified for that job, and it's his it's his perfect life. Of obedience and his his obedience even to death, right? That qualifies him for the the job. He's the one who was sent, yeah. uh, and I mean, what's amazing to me is, you know, Satan and those who are who are empowered by Satan are even tempting him up to the point where he's hanging on the cross. Mm-hmm. Oh, you you know, you could call out and and take yourself down from the cross, right? 
you know, he saved others, let him save himself, you know, these things like this to him, and the whole time he's just, he's, he's remaining faithful. Yeah. And what's uh, amazing, if you just think about it, as Jesus is suffering and dying on the cross, he's, he has entered into, um, I don't even know the correct word for it, but he's in hell. The wrath of God is upon him. Mm. Um, he's experiencing that for all of his people. Right. And even as he's going into that, he is still believing that he will be raised from the dead right. and he'll be vindicated. Mm -hmm. He'll be his life will be vindicated by the Father right. as a sign to all people yeah. um, that he is just and he was perfect. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing, really, to think about. Yeah. There is no there is no possible way if anyone ever has inclination that we could even be that faithful apart from the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, which is sent by Jesus. <laughs> Right, that's kind of the order. Mm -hmm. He is perfected. He's going to perfect our faith, but still, we require the supernatural work of the Spirit mm -hmm. in our life. Right, um, and so really, this is this is the ultimate. Like, if you're looking for how do I run? Yeah, it's this is it's Jesus. Yeah. So so since he's the author and perfecter of our faith, we're told to look to him. Mm -hmm. um, what was interesting as I was as I was studying this. Uh, this passage is that looking that that uh, that word. It's actually a negative word. It actually means to look away. Hmm. So the idea is to look away from something in order to look at something else more intently. Oh. So look away from the the weight and the sins that cling so closely. Look away to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. Yeah. They they have it. They don't have it. Look. They have looking. Yeah. So it's like you're turning. You're yeah, you're and you're gazing. Is this is more than just intellectual knowledge about who he is? This is studying him intently. Mm. Um, and I brought up um, the the hymn "Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus." Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Like look away from this world and look to Jesus. Right. Because he's the author and, and finisher of your faith. Is, in, is it in Colossians where we get the idea that upon Christ's return we will see him as he is? And, uh, it's First John, First John okay. chapter three, and be yeah. transformed mm -hmm. by that. We'll be like him because we will see yeah. him. Yeah, we'll see him as he is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, we we look to Christ. Um, I, I didn't use this illustration in the sermon because I wasn't sure how it would come across. Okay. You ever seen a dog race, like a greyhound yeah, race? Yeah, like they set off that mechanical rabbit, right? right. So the dogs will chase the rabbit, uh -huh. right? So that they don't. I mean, have you ever seen dogs like lose sight of the rabbit and they just oh, start yeah. running off the? They just <laughs> run off the course. They smell something and they're yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be chasing after Jesus, like keeping him in our sights, so that we'll we'll keep running. Um. We uh, we run with a purpose. We run with a goal. We're not uh, we're not like Forrest Gump. You remember, you remember Forrest Gump? Yeah, right. He's just like, running. Just one, one day he just, just felt he like just running. takes off running, and and people are asking him, "What are you running for?" I just felt like running, and then he finishes, and you're like, "I think I'll go home now." Yeah, like that's not that's not the way that Christians are supposed to run. We're not just supposed we're not just running to be running. Um, MacArthur and his uh, his sermon. You know, MacArthur used to be a runner. Really, but he he did sprints, mm. so he didn't do like these long 
marathons. Uh, but in his sermon, he's he like makes fun a little bit of people that just run without any purpose, like jog, <laughs> like jogging, yeah, uh, running on a treadmill. He's like, I I never ran unless there was a goal. <laughs> but that's the Christian life. We're not supposed to run aimlessly. We're not we're not just running just for the thrill of running. Right. We're running with a goal in mind. Jesus is that goal. Yeah. We're we're running to get to Jesus. He's at the finish line. We keep the finish line in our sights because it's where Jesus is and we stay on course. Mm-hmm. We keep running. We don't, we're, we're not distracted by other things. We look away from those things and look to Jesus so that we'll finish the race. Right. I mean, that's, that's the idea of, of what's going on here. You want to run the race with endurance, then keep Jesus in your sights. Right. And then it says that, that, uh, for the joy that was set before him, um, endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of, of, uh, the throne of God. Um, we're, we're called to, do something similar where where we suffer for the sake of Christ how are we going to endure follow the example of Jesus he endured the cross he despised the shame and he's seated at the right hand of God how did he do that by looking through the cross to joy the joy that was set before him mm-hmm. um, enabled him to endure the cross he knew that the cross wasn't the end he he could look through the pain of the cross to what was on the other side, which was glory. And so he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And we're supposed to do the same. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Um, so we're supposed to consider him. Verse, verse three, consider him, uh, which is a word that um, carries the idea of, of uh, it's used in calculations, like, cons- like ca- calculate this. <laughs> uh, it also has the idea of um, comparing. Mm-hmm. So compare the suffering with the joy and see which one weighs more. Um, right. that, that's what Moses is doing over in, in chapter 11. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so comparing those two, he'd rather follow after Christ. Right. Um, he'd rather t- look away from the wealth and treasures of Egypt and look to Christ. We're, we're to consider him also the one who endured such hostility from sinners so that we won't grow weary or faint-hearted. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's, he, he's very consistent with his racing uh, right. illustration. It's the, the person that collapses. Yeah. Or you ever watch those videos of, of racers and, and they're in you know this, this marathon and they just think that they're so far ahead of everyone that they just kind of start showboating and right. slow down and the, yeah. the second person runs uh-huh. past them and wins. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't, don't be that. that mm-hmm. That's not That's not how we're supposed to run. We're supposed to run the race with endurance so that we'll cross the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. And we, right. we do it by looking to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, but he's also the, he's also the prime example. He's the, he is the one witness of faith, mm-hmm. and we need to follow in his footsteps. Very good. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so next week we're going to shift gears to talk about discipline a little bit. Is that what I am We're talking about? Understanding? Discipline. Yep. Talk about in, in, enduring discipline. Uh, yeah. So fun times. Okay. Yeah. It's very good. George. <laughs> it's still the. It's still. I mean, shifting a little bit. It's the same idea. It's the same argument. Um, so there's not a big break between one, one through three, and, and four through eleven. 
but he shifts a little bit. He still he still has the racing metaphor in mind, especially uh, verse eleven. But he's now going to shift to the way a, a parent disciplines his child. Yeah, and so we'll we'll see what that has to do with the Christian faith next week. Okay, awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for preaching. That was it was a good sermon. Um, if you're learning how to preach, I think this was a good one to look at, go back and listen to the sermon, because the sermon was, uh, the points came from the text, which is what you want um, for an expository sermon. The point of the sermon needs to be the point of the text, and people should be able to look at their text and see how you got your sermon outline. I hope so, so very clean, very clean outline. I thought it was great. Uh, not comp- not overly complicated. Sometimes outlines can get crazy and complicated, mm-hmm. but very simple, and simple is what you want in preaching. So uh, go listen to that sermon. If you haven't uh, already, it-, it will be greatly beneficial to you. All right, well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, come back for Free For All Friday. We'll be back at Free For All Friday this Friday. Not sure exactly what we're going to talk about yet. Could be a true Free For All Friday. That's dangerous. <laughs> but we're going to plan out some fun things, I think, over the next... Uh, season are we calling this season three sure season three (laughs) so thanks for tuning in Uh, you know you can really help us by writing us a review not too many people have done that yet but if you'll write a review and lead and then you know give us maybe click five star or whatever and share with your friends you'll help us we don't really spend money on the podcast this is just word of mouth but we do want to minister to the people of our church but not just the people of our church we want to help other people to understand the bible better and our aim is to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. So hopefully this has helped you to do that uh, today. We'll see you later on in the week. Bye-bye.